Well, hello, Christ Chapel, and hello to all of you who are worshiping with us online. If I haven't gotten to tell you, Happy New Year, Happy New Year to you. I think we were all excited to leave 2020 behind and get a new year, 2021, started because a lot of things have changed. A lot of things changed in 2020. Many things that were in flux, we are just now even beginning to realize, but so many people made different course adjustments uh, over 2020. And I think that many of you uh, approached those changes with optimism. Like you, you thought things were, were gonna go well. You're like, okay, we can do this. It was the great American spirit. We're, we're, we're gonna persevere and we're gonna get through this and, and do, it, do it well. Uh, but some things turned out well and some things didn't turn out well. I, I'm not a social media guy. For those of you who know me, I don't have Facebook. I don't have Instagram. I don't do that kind of stuff. But there is a, I'm told it's called a meme where you put uh, pictures up and kind of captions and things. And I saw one that was uh, how it started and how it's going now. People comparing how things used to be and, and how things were. So I thought it was just really funny when you looked back at those things uh, from 2021 or 2020, uh, specifically, you know, th- some of the things that changed, especially at home. Like, for instance, when the pandemic hit in 2020, uh, a lot of schools went online. And people were like, yes, we're gonna, we're gonna do school at home. And it started out great. Mom's giving you know, her son a high five and then here's how it's going. You know, we're, we're frustrated, we're pulling our hair out. I don't think mom likes the student. I don't think the student likes the teacher. Uh, None of that uh, went too well, but that that was a change. Another one that I don't think went too well was kind of the the idea from working from home. You know, you start off, you get a great work from home atmosphere going here. You're gonna get dressed up, get ready for work. You know, that was something that we even told our staff, you know, get up, get dressed like you're going into the office. And I think this is how it's gone and how it's turned out. Many of you might still be there working from home and uh, with the dog. And I hope he's getting a paycheck and some, some good things too. So, th- you know, those things didn't go too well, but some of the things went better. Like if you actually had to go into work, I think that worked out well for you. You know, it started out with a, a really tough commute. Now the highways are wide open. You can go anywhere you want. You're not gonna hit any traffic. And so that's going well. And certainly what I think went really well were those of you who had stock in Zoom. If you had stock in Zoom, up and to the right, man. You, you knew when to invest and how to invest. So some things started out really well or not so well, and they've made a change uh, this past year, and obviously those changes are carrying over into 2021. Uh, Some things started, and and they obviously evolve and change, and here's how how they're going. And I think that's a fair question. When we look at all the changes and what things that have changed and the things that maybe will come back or even won't come back will change permanently, that you ask us as a church, Cody, what is going to change about Christ Chapel? Fair question. Because we've had to make a lot of changes this past year, whether it's, we, you know, we've pivoted to a lot of different things online. Uh, we've had to get really creative with how we do things to equip you in your, in your walk with Christ and to, to reach out to our community. A lot of things have changed on the outside, but at our core, we're no different. 
that things might change on the outside. I mean, even this past year, uh, if you'll remember, we celebrated our 40th anniversary as a church. And if you took a picture of our church 40 years ago and held it up against the picture of today, it looks totally different, completely different. But at our core, we're still the, cha- the same. We, we, we haven't changed. Sure, people are different. People have grown up. Some have gone on to be with the Lord. Uh, some new people ha- have come. Our, we've built different buildings. We've extended out west and down south and internet. Can- All those things have changed on the outside, but underneath, things are still the same. You see, it doesn't matter if it was then, now, or later. We're still the same at our core. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. Today is our kind of core value Sunday. So if you would get out your sermon notes, no matter where where you are, whether at home or at one of our venues, uh, if you'll get out those sermon notes, I wanna take you through uh, our core values as a church. This is always one of my favorite Sundays of the year when we look at this. And usually we do this in the fall, but I think I was telling our staff this morning, I think it's very apt that we're going through it right now. Because people are wondering what's gonna come back. Are we gonna go back to the future? Are are we gonna continue to change and evolve? And I think it's very encouraging for us to look at these core values because those are our guiding principles that are going to keep us and uh, keep us steady following God the way that we have for the past 40 years and into this next year, 2021. Values are incredibly important. You know this especially in our world today. In in our world today, I think many people, especially with all the changes going on, are are starting to take the approach and and panic and say that the the end justifies the means. And and, and so we need to do this because we need to get there. And and principles, guiding values, keep you anchored to who you've been called to be. They keep you within bounds and say, we're not going outside of this. And by the way, I mean, the great example that we had in our capital city this past week, by the way, we condemn violence and rioting. That is not right. That is not God honoring and it's not good for our country. So the, the same that any of those protests that happened in the summer, we condemned violence and rioting. We do the same for this one. That was not right. You see, the ends do not justify the means. And so we're not gonna change who we are at the core. And these core values are our guiding principles. So we're gonna go through it. If you've heard it 40 times, these core values, then I hope and I've prayed for you that you are encouraged, that we are the same church that we've always been at the core. And if these are new to you, maybe you've just joined us online in the recent uh, past, I hope you are inspired by who God has called us to be because God has blessed these. And I'm gonna show you some great examples of how he's done that. So we have eight core values and I just wanna go through those with you and tell you the biblical passages where these come from, which plays into the very first uh, core value that we have. And that is teaching God's word as authoritative in Monday morning relevant ways. God's word is authoritative for our lives. Someone's opinion is not authoritative. Uh, A culture is not authoritative. Uh, God's word is what is our authority. And we get that from 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, where Paul says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man, or obviously the woman of God, may be complete, equipped for every good work. 
You see, very, very simple, bottom line, the reason why it's authoritative is because Scripture's God-breathed. He, he said the words that are here. And we know that from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, where he talks about how God carried along these men and through the power of the Holy Spirit recorded his words. He breathed them out, which also tells us that his word is living and active because the same way that he breathes his life into the word of God is the same way that he breathed life into Adam at the beginning of Genesis. It gave, it gave it vibrancy. It was, it was alive. It's living and active, as we know from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. So because God said it, it's authoritative for our lives. And we believe whatever God said, the Bible says. And if the Bible says it, then God said it. So this is authoritative for our life. You have to start there. That is our starting point. And here's why, because we say, and our core value is that we want to be Monday morning relevant. Well, if we're Monday morning relevant, what is our standard? Our authority is the word of God. We believe that this is speaking to us today and tomorrow, Sunday morning and Monday morning. It's relevant because it's authoritative. That's why. And so we're always going to look for our marching orders in God's word. If you want to know how you should live on Monday morning, then you study his word on Sunday. If you want to know how you should live on Tuesday morning, then you study his word on Monday. You see, that's what that passage says. If you look back at that 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 on your sermon notes, it says that the scriptures God breathed. But if you go to the end of that verse, And it says, so that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Meaning that it's preparing you for the next thing. It's preparing you for the next thing God is going to call you to. It's preparing you for your next step with him. It's preparing you for that conversation at work. It's preparing you to love your spouse. It's preparing you to disciple your children. That you are equipped. All of those things happen Monday morning. We, we don't just come in here to have a pep rally here on Sunday and go, yay, let's leave it there. It, God's word is relevant. It's, it's authoritative and it's therefore relevant for us on Monday morning. And that's why we encourage you to get into the word. We have been, since the beginning of the year, reading through the Psalms. Or, or actually, it started uh, back when we started our vision. We've been reading through the Psalms and you can get those readings. It tells you every morning, if you will wake up every morning and go to our app and click on our app, it'll tell you, it says God with us. We need to be reminded that God is with us. And so we're reading through the Psalms to be reminded that God is with us on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, et cetera. And if you just click on that, it'll tell you exactly the portion of Psalms you're supposed to read that day. Uh, last, last year, I was reading through a devotional with two guys, and we said, what are we going to read this year? Let's go back and just read the word. And so we are reading the God with us reading plan through the Psalms, because we want to be men who are equipped for every good work, Monday through Saturday, and obviously Sunday as well. So Monday morning, relevant biblical preaching and teaching is a, a paramount core value, because everything emanates from that. Everything comes from that. That is the core. That is the root, which leads us to our second one, is that we are going to challenge every believer to apply God's word to mature in Christ. 
We want to challenge every believer to apply God's word to mature in Christ. The way that we mature is through God's word. If you'll remember back in John chapter three, uh, Nicodemus and Jesus have a conversation. And Jesus tells Nicodemus that you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Remember, remember that? And he says, how can I go back into my mother's womb? And he's talking about a spiritual rebirth that happens when you place your trust in Jesus Christ. You are born again into a new family with a new father, with a new authority, and with a new destiny, with a new inheritance. That's that, that's that whole thing. But we don't want you to just be born again. We don't want you to just remain as a babe in Christ. We want you to mature and to grow up. And that's why we talk about Colossians chapter one, verse 28. It says, him, that's Christ, we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. If you looked at our constitution, Colossians 1.28 is our mission statement. It has been our mission statement. It was then, it is now, and it will be later. This is, this is what drives us, is we want to see you reach your full potential in Jesus Christ, that you would mature and that you would grow up. If you'll remember what, what we talked about last week, you're not meant to stay the same. You are either becoming more like Christ every day or less like Christ. And that's why we want you to mature, to become more like him. You aren't meant to remain the same. If you are the same person that you were the first day that you came to know Christ, whether that was a year ago or years ago, that's not good for you. And that's why we want to continue to proclaim him because we're supposed to be conformed into his image, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I will be held accountable. Our elders will be held accountable. Our pastors will be held accountable for if we are proclaiming him to help mature you in Christ. And, and we're gonna continue to proclaim him in every venue that we have. The word of God is authoritative and we're gonna proclaim Christ, whether it's in children's ministry Remember, we do not babysit in kids' ministry. We teach them God's word in age-appropriate ways, whether it's in our student ministry. Uh, folks, in our men's and women's ministry, they are fantastic. You need to join men's and women's ministry. Those start up this next week. They're gonna be going through the Gospel of John. You can sign up online. You need to get in there so that you can continue to mature, not only as a Christ follower, but a, a man or woman of God. So it doesn't matter what it was, then, now, or later, we want to mature you. We want to help you grow up in Christ. And we have a part to play in that, but we're gonna strain toward that end of your maturity. Next, we want to equip you with permission to do the work of the ministry. We are going to equip you with permission to do the work of the ministry because when we talk about maturity, you know, the older I get, the more I find that maturity can be measured in, in many different ways. But maturity is measured, to, in my opinion, Cody's opinion, this is not from the word, but it can be measured in two main ways. Uh, first, how you react or respond to circumstances. 
I can tell when someone's immature by the way that they react or respond. Or secondly, how you care for others. Those are two great signs of maturity. If you're maturing in Christ, you're gonna respond in a biblical way because guess what? Everything's not gonna go our way and life is not fair. We live in a world broken by sin. But if you can react in a godly way and care for others the way that Christ cared for us, those are great signs of maturity. So we want to equip you to do that work, to care for others. You see, it's always been our philosophy of ministry, Ephesians chapter four, verse 12, that we as a church would equip you to do the work of the ministry. That, that is our philosophy of ministry, that you have uniquely been called to do the work of the ministry. It's our job to equip you, encourage you, inspire you to do that. that that's our job. So let me just go ahead and say it out loud. If you expected that anyone with a name tag was supposed to do the ministry and that's it, then you're wrong. You are to do the work of the ministry. Christ's followers are supposed to do the work of the ministry. I am no different than you. I may have a seminary degree that you may not have, but guess what? It doesn't take a seminary degree to do the work of the ministry. Did you know that none of the apostles had a seminary degree? Crazy. The disciples were men and women who followed Jesus. He had large groups that just said, I am going to say yes to him and follow him. And anything he brings along my path, I'm gonna do the work of the ministry through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, our philosophy is to equip you because you have a gift that no one else has. First Peter chapter four, verse 10. He says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. You, you have been given a gift and this idea of varied grace means you have a unique gift and a unique makeup that nobody else has. Like a fingerprint or like the snowflake we're all hoping to see today that is completely unique. My boys are, oh, they're praying for it. It's completely unique. You have a gift that is unique to you and and a unique circumstance, a unique sphere of influence. And if you don't use that gift to do the work of the ministry, that is ministry that is left undone. See, the, the kingdom of God will extend in your life as far as you're willing to reach. You have a gift and you will be asked and held accountable for how you used that gift you see, the word that's used there in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 is a steward. Now, you all know what that means. If you are to steward that gift well, it means you are given that gift and you are asked, hey, what did you do with that? Did you use it the way that I asked you to use it? If you're just filing it in your back pocket, then you're not stewarding his grace. You have been called to do the work of the ministry and it is all around you. If you don't know of ministry needs in our world, then you have not opened your eyes. Ministry needs, they they are abundant around us. God has a work that he wants to do in and through you. And we wanna give you permission to do that. You see, part of the equipping you, the saint to do the work of the ministry, 
is not just encouraging you. It's not just equipping you and giving you tools that you need or skills that you need, but sometimes it's just giving you permission. Just saying, you can do that. Go for it. And man, this past year, we've seen you do wonderful, wonderful things where you've just taken the initiative and you've taken it upon yourself to leave goodie bags on neighbors' doorsteps when everybody was sheltered in place or to find creative ways to minister to uh, first-line responders or, or people that are oftentimes overlooked. Man, we saw a, peop- uh, a family, this was pretty awesome. They, they, have a, they had a gate at the front of their driveway and they put a huge Christmas banner on there that talked about how Jesus was basically the reason for the season And if you have any questions about Jesus, here's our phone number and email address. They they emailed me. They said, hey, do you know anybody that could help us design something like this? I'm like, we can do it. See, it's that old Home Depot slogan. You can do it and we can help. You can do it. And I'm telling you, man, it thrills my heart and our staff's heart, our leadership's heart when we see you doing the work of the ministry, when we see how God uniquely uses you, you have permission, what will you do with it? You're to steward that permission and God's varied grace well. But you're never meant to do it alone. Isn't that a blessing? That's a wonderful encouragement. If you're, if you're fearful and you're like, I can't do that alone, you're never meant to do it alone, which is why one of our core values is that, that we would be in small groups together. We want you to participate in small groups where life change happens best. Participating in small groups where life change happens best. You know, if you're not sure what gift you have, your spiritual gift, oftentimes gifts are affirmed, affirmed by the body. Meaning if you don't know what your gift is, maybe you need to be a part of other believers. Because when we get in with other believers, what we understand is that our gift was given to us to serve the body. And so when you get in that group of believers in a small group, you begin to go, okay, here's what they're good at, and here's what they're good at, and here's what they're good at. And so how can, how can I play a part? How can I fit? And people start going, man, you're really good at that. You're, you're awesome at that. I, I love when you do that because you can do that better than I can. And you can start affirming people in those gifts because we all have those, but we're not meant to do it alone. Hebrews chapter four, verse 24 and 25 says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, which tells me that if you're by yourself, you might not be stirred up very well. We're not supposed to stir up ourselves. We can stir up, inspire, and encourage one another to good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near, that day being the day that Jesus comes. Man, come Lord Jesus, please. I told somebody this year, I don't care if Santa comes, I want Jesus to come. We need to encourage one another and stir up one another toward those love and good works or good deeds and encourage one, not neglecting to meet together. 
And we're actually starting a new series next week. And we would love for you to be in a home group for that series. You can be in an online group. You can be in groups that meet in person. Uh, we have seen those small groups meet in very creative ways, whether it was open air, on porches, underneath outdoor heaters. You guys have done it all and you've been champions about it. Why? Because we're not gonna neglect meeting together. We're going to encourage each other all the more as we see the day approaching. We need each other. I need you. We need one another to do what God has called us to do, but also to just be simply encouraged in our own individual walks with Jesus. You know, those that thrived the most through this pandemic were those that stayed connected with other believers through those small groups, through those home groups, in accountability relationships. Those are the people, I, man, I have, I have a ton of emails where people said, Cody, this tragedy happened. You know, we lost a family member. And man, if it wasn't for our small group, if it wasn't for them, I don't know where we would be. We're able to lean on one another through these hard times. And that's why it was the same way then it is now and it will be later that we believe that life change best takes place in small groups. That not only our life change, but there's power in numbers. Other lives change when we're in community together, exercising our spiritual gift with the permission that we have to do the work of the ministry. But I think it's a, a fair question when you ask, uh, when we talk about life change best takes place in small groups, why does that happen? Well, it's not only because we can encourage one another, but it's a safe place where we can extend grace to one another. We're going to extend grace to one another to grow ourselves and our fellowship. Extending grace to one another to grow ourselves and our fellowship. I believe that grace is unique to the church because it's unique to God. The world does not know grace. The world does not understand grace because true grace is a God-like thing. Only God can truly forgive sins, can give merit when it's not due. And believe, as believers, we grasp that, we can understand that, and we can therefore offer that. That's what Ephesians chapter four, verse 32 says. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. You see, when you grasp God's grace, you can therefore extend God's grace, and that helps us all grow together. I don't know if you've ever had to truly forgive someone, but that grows you. That grows a person when you have to extend grace. And when grace is extended to you, does that not grow you as well? I've had plenty of people extend me grace. Man, it, it grows my, my fellowship with them. It grows my understanding of God and in my walk. And that's what we're gonna continue to, to extend to one another at Christ Chapel. Folks, in our world that is becoming more and more polemical at, at the polls, we are going to have to continue to extend grace. And here's what that means. We've got to expect no more and no less than the scriptures expect of us. 
Christ's chapel will not be a place for license where you can do whatever you want, but nor will it be a place for legalism where we're gonna hold people to standards that are not biblical. We're going to hold on to grace and we're gonna stand on the word of God and hold each other accountable to the scriptures. That, that's what it means. So you, just like I am, we are all welcome to come as we are. We're just not welcome to stay as we are. It goes back to the maturity. We want all of us to mature in Christ. And so we're going to have to continue to change and evolve and mature in our relationship with Christ. But that all comes from extending grace the same way that grace has been extended to us. And you see, that, that extension of grace, as I told you, it, it helps bond people. When you're on the giving or receiving end of that grace, it, it helps relationships, which is another core value that we have. And that is we are committed to unity, understanding that God leads, grows, and uses us together. My, my prayer for our church, and it has been for the past two years, has been unity. That we would remain unified in what God has called us to do as a church. We wouldn't veer to the, to the, to the right or to the left, but we would, we would keep our eyes focused on him, the author and perfecter of our faith, unified, walking together, lockstep, arm in arm. And that's one of our core values, is unity. Romans chapter 15, verses five and six. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our unity encourages our praise. If we're not unified, our worship is affected. Our praise is affected. And let me tell you, this starts from our elder board. And this is unique. I, I haven't heard of many other places that ever do this, um, especially not in the business world, but I'm telling you here that our core value of unity plays out on our elder board in that every decision our elder board makes is unanimous. You heard that correctly. Every decision that our elder board makes is unanimous. We have 10 men on the board who meet the qualifications in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. And every time there's a decision to make, the vote is always 10 to zero. Always. I've sat in these elder meetings for years now and I've watched it happen over and over again. And there have been some pretty big decisions that have been made, especially over the course of this last year. And every decision is 10 to zero. I, does that not give you great comfort? I'll, I'll tell you one of the reasons why it gives me great comfort is not just that we have 10 guys. You go, Cody, it's easy to brainwash 10 guys. No, it's not. But here's why they can remain unified. Because we truly believe that if we, as, as, as leadership team, if we are all asking one God, one question, how many answers should we get? One answer. So if we're not hearing the same thing, then we need to just continue to tune our hearts and ears and minds to God. It's like when somebody comes up and asks you a question, do you give more than one answer? No. If we ask one God, one question, we're gonna get one answer. And we seek him until we get one answer, until we're all of one accord. 
And I think that plays out into the unity of our fellowship, which I've been so proud. God has, God has answered that prayer for unity in our church, but it all starts at our elder board. We fight for it. We work for it. We pray for it. It's not, it doesn't come easy all the time. And I encourage us as a fellowship, as individual believers, we've got to do the same thing. One of the things that they'll always remain unified on too is remaining debt-free, which is our next core value. Remaining debt-free to extend God's kingdom and not overextend ourselves. Constitutionally, we cannot go into debt. We cannot take on debt in, in any form. And, and I think that I love that because it keeps us keeping the main thing the main thing. So everything you see is paid for. Everything you do is paid for uh, in full. We are fully free to follow the Lord through what he provides and do the work of the ministry. Matthew chapter six, verse 24, Jesus was telling the disciples, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And by being debt-free, we say, we're not going to serve a lender. Now, we are not saying that, that, that you shouldn't go into debt for anything. There, I know there are debts in the world, mortgages, those kind of things. I totally understand that. But constitutionally, as a church, we can only spend what you give. That, that's just the way it is. And your generosity has been amazing. You see, the, the amount of ministry is limited to the power of God and the resources he provides. And you guys have provided over and abundantly, which I'm so grateful for, especially this past year amidst so much uncertainty, so much so that you have been able to start building the South Campus in cash. I mean, that is, that is huge, and that is exciting, and I thank you for giving to that because we're going to remain debt-free so we can extend God's kingdom and not overextend ourselves. And finally, our last core value is that we are going to seek to do everything with excellence no matter what comes now or later. You see, no matter what God provides or what we do, we are gonna to strive to do everything with excellence. This comes from Colossians chapter three, verse 23. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Everything we do is gonna be for the Lord. As if he is showing up, as if, as if he is the inspector, as if he's gonna see the work. I do this for him. And here's a, here's a wonderful thing about excellence. If you really follow Colossians chapter three, verse 23, and you do everything heartily as for the Lord and not for men, then it turns everything you do into worship. Everything. Your job, the way you hang out in your neighborhood, how you behave when you go to dinner, everything. Everything turns into worship as we're doing it as unto him. And you know, that provides a great fellowship with the Lord if we're doing everything to him because then we start talking to him. Then we start saying, Lord, how do you wanna work now? I mean, it provides a great relationship. Where does that stem from? Excellence, because we're doing it for the king. We're not doing it, we're not doing it for, for, for just men and women and, and, and kids. Awesome, I, man, I would give you my heart. I would do it all for you, but man, I do it for the Lord. I do it for him.
Because guess what? People may not show up. We had no idea how many people would show up with the, this, you know, snowmageddon coming today. But I'm going to prepare as if I'm doing this for the Lord. It, man, I, it's, a, it's a privilege. It's a pleasure to serve the Lord. And we're going to do it as unto him. See, the great thing about our core values is they haven't changed. Yeah, it, sure, it's taken different forms, especially this past year. But it doesn't matter if it's then, now, or later. We're the same at our core. And I want to show you some great examples of how these core values were lived out in 2020 because you're going to see that God did some pretty amazing things through our church. Years from now, when we talk about 2020, what are we going to say? At the start, we were all just busy doing what God had for us. We bought land to build a permanent South Campus. We celebrated global mission work at M28 Film Festival. We hosted ArtReach with a new worship EP and art galleries. But then, in just a few days, something happened that none of us ever expected. And it became a year of asking all kinds of questions. What's happening with COVID-19? What is social distancing? Is church open right now? Is it safe to travel? Why are people protesting? And the question that we all wonder to ourselves, God, what is happening in 2020? As first responders showed up, serving in ways we'll never forget, the rest of us started with what God's word tells us. He is with us, always. And so, being a church that trusts that God is sovereign, in control, and with us, we shifted, as the world did too, to meet the moment and the rising needs around us. We moved online, worshiping from home on couches and back patios in over 90 countries. God enabled us to connect in all kinds of ways, Zooming, streaming, and social distancing for Women in the Word and Band of Brothers. You kept right on with online versions of Thrive and Home Groups. Classes like Overwhelmed and Relational Wisdom, Music Garden, Moms Groups, and Common Ground. You looked around for those who needed help, leaving flowers for widows, delivering groceries, writing notes, and waving from the sidewalk. You continued to trust God with your resources, and he opened the door for us to get to work. God used your giving to support people who lost their job, pack 160,000 meals to hand out to those in need, support frontline workers with meals and prayers, and love our highway heroes. And God kept opening doors, connecting us with ministries around the world, especially in closed countries where pastors were sharing the gospel as they cared for COVID patients. Student ministry actually flourished as you guys watched YouTube teachings and God used small group leaders to create space for the connections students were craving. Kids camp flooded the internet and over a thousand kids in eight states got all aboard for the best week of summer. They heard the gospel and how much God loves them. In June, God made a way for us to mask up 
and start gathering again in person, six feet apart, but still together. Without a high school to meet in, the South Campus made a new home at the depot and grew from one to three services. We looked for joy wherever we could, with outdoor ice cream parties, all kinds of couch concerts, and an online big band show. We baptized in swimming pools, and we perfected the drive-through event. So many drive-through events. God allowed college ministry to move into its new building on time, and Common Grounds became a place for students to feel at home. Renovate met in more home groups than ever before. You said yes to worshiping as a family. And we celebrated 40 years of God's faithfulness to us as a church. God led you in not growing tired of doing good in your marriages. Nearly 100 couples did re-engage and over 400 had a CCBC date night. You did not stop encouraging each other through things like online prayer nights, daddy-daughter events, and pure adventure. God strengthened our relationships. None of us expected this year, but God held tightly to us, and we held tightly to Him. And in both small and big ways, we saw over and over that His faithfulness never changes, never goes off course, and never leaves us. In some ways, there's no going back to how things were, but God has so much ahead for this Christ Chapel family. So let's go. Let's follow him onward together and discover the great things he has in store for us as his church.